Um, so we're going to be looking at Jonah chapter 3, uh, Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Let's stand together. I'm going to read it. You listen along. It's, it's a long text, and I'm going to read the word of God to us. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout, uh, through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of second chances, a God of third chances, a God of fourth chances, that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God, we thank you that you are merciful, that, that your name encompasses that mercy, the name Yahweh, that you will continue to be to your people who you have promised to be. And God, as this, this text shows us, we, we thank you that that gracious mercy extends beyond the reaches of Israel, that as we look through the line of, of, of Jesus and, and how you incorporated Gentiles into his, his family line, Lord, that you were, you were showing us that the promise to Abraham was that you'd be a blessing to the nations, that the blessing that was bestowed upon Abraham would flow out to people like me and those in this room. And God, we are thankful for your compassion. We are thankful for your mercy. And Holy Spirit, I pray that today you would stir our hearts to repentance as we're brought again, again to face the reality that, that you're a God who demands righteousness. Lord, as we stand as individuals who cannot offer enough righteousness, Lord, would we repent of our sin and turn to your Son? I pray that you would pierce hearts only in order that you might restore lives. And God, I pray that you'd speak to our children. Lord, I thank you for the, the young people in this room. And I pray that you'd open their ears to hear how much you love them and how willing you are to forgive and give new life when they turn away from disobeying and they turn to trusting in you. Jesus, would you move among us? Would you speak by your spirit and minister your word in order that we might glorify the Father? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can be seated. So we're going to look at three things today in this text. We're going to look at Jonah's recommissioning and proclamation. 
And the kids, if you, can rec- if you can say any of these points that I'm saying right now, then I'll give you extra credit. That won't mean anything. I don't have any money or donuts, but, but I, will, uh, I will thank you when it's your time. Miss Beth was like, you should have come more prepared. There will be stickers. She's got my back. Okay. So, point number one, adults and children alike, is that we're going to look at the recommissioning and proclamation You don't have to understand what that means as a side note. The recommissioning and proclamation of Jonah. Point number two, we're going to look at radical repentance. There we go. I see you, Kevin. Point number three, we're going to look at the relenting of God's wrath. The relenting of God's wrath. Next Family Sunday, I will rethink my points so that they're not like ten-syllable long words. Okay. Recommissioning and proclamation, radical repentance, and the relenting of God's wrath. If you just say there are a bunch of R's, you'll get credit too. So verses 1 through 4, we hear this very simple, matter-of-fact experience. Then, Jonah, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And it continues to talk about it. Jonah was given a second time. The first time, it, in, in chapter 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and it said, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. And in, in verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose to flee. So the difference between verses chapter 1 and chapter 3 is, there was a, a Jonah said, But to God. But in chapter 3, Jonah said yes to God, right? In chapter 1, he said, but to God, but but I don't want to do that. And he, in fact, ran away. But in in chapter 3, he said yes to God. And I like to think that he still had some, you know, C detritus all over him, right? He'd just gotten kids. He just got thrown up from, from the fish, you know? If you want to think about something funny, he... He's, he just came out of the, the whale's belly, and if you've ever been fishing or you've ever um, gone to a fish market, you can imagine that he probably smelled terrible. He smelled stinky, and God spoke to him, but God gave him a second chance to obey. It was a second chance to do what God told him to do. Um, when you have a second chance, take it. When you have a second chance, take it. We live in a world where where you make a lot of assumptions about tomorrow. Um, I make a lot of assumptions about tomorrow. We've got, we've got devices that, that will tell us what we're doing next week, right? You've got your schedule, and, and you, you know what's going to happen, and you make your plans according to this assumption that tomorrow is guaranteed. You make assumptions that in, in you know, seven days, I'm going to get a salary payment, or, I, you know, I'm going to get this thing, we have assumptions that that tomorrow is going to happen. But I want to tell you, whenever you have a second chance, take it. Whenever you have the opportunity to, to repent, take it. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he, and he says something that, that, has, that I've carried a, along a lot. 
Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5 says this. There were some present at the very time who told, told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices. Okay, so sorry, parents. But uh, there were some Galileans who were punished, and they did some bad things with these people and, and the stuff, their bodies. And it was really kind of upsetting and grisly and bad. And they told Jesus about it. And Jesus says this, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered in this way? You know, they were kind of talking to Jesus saying, Oh, goodness, do you hear how these people got, got punished? They got punished really badly. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It was shameful. It was, it was yucky. It was bad. And, and the, the, the implication, the thing that they were thinking in their heads was, man, what did they get? What did they do to deserve such a bad ending? And Jesus responds, and he says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than you guys? He says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Right? Jesus was, he wanted, to, he wanted the crowd to come. No, he, he was willing to say some tough stuff. He says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent... You will all likewise perish. Or, or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who live in J Jerusalem? He says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Two things that you can take from this. One, bad things happen, and, and they're not necessarily indications of God's pleasure or displeasure. But two, when bad things happen to other people, it is an opportunity that God is explicitly giving you to stop, look and listen, and to repent. In Romans chapter 2, Paul is talking and he's, he's laying out his view of a lot of things, but he talks to the, the, probably some Jewish people who were feeling kind of superior because they were better than the Gentiles. Um, and he says this in verse 3, do you suppose, oh man, this is kind of a hypothetical, you know, imaginary man. He says, do you suppose you who judge those who practice bad things, evil do the evil things, and yet do them, that, that you will also escape the judgment of God? In verse 4, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness, kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So he says, do, do you not see that, that when God is kind to you, He's trying to give you opportunity to repent. This is not a moment for you to, to bolster your own self, but it's a moment to say, God is being kind. I should look at my life, take, take stock in what my, what's going on in my life, and repent. Like, let's, let's do some spring cleaning. Today, if you've been given a second chance, which you all have because you're here and you're alive, then you should take it. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. If you're wrestling with sin in your life, don't put it off. Repent today. If you know that God's told you, I want you to go this direction, but you're like, I'm not sure. But the scriptures say that you need to go this direction. Today is the day. You've been given a second chance. Take it. So last time, Jonah ran away from God. Um, this time, he does what, exactly what God tells him to do. He goes to Nineveh. He begins to proclaim this rather uh, upsetting 
statement. He goes and he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I mean, that's, that's his sermon. Like, you think my sermons are bad? That was a pretty upsetting sermon, right? It, it was a good sermon in the sense that it had a main idea and it was very easy to catch. <laughs> it was a bad sermon because nobody wants to hear that sermon. Jo- Jonah does what God tells him to do and he says what God tells him to say. He's recommissioned and it proclaims, but it goes on and, and we get to look at this really interesting comparison between Jonah and his reluctance to obey and the Ninevites. So if you go on to verse 5, it says, And the people of Nineveh stoned Jonah, killed him, and they continued to do No, it says, the people of Nineveh believed God, period. The people of Nineveh believed God. This is, for us, it's shocking. For Jonah, he was upset because he knew that this was exactly what God wanted to happen. It says they believed God. They called for a fast. That means that they, they said, we're not going to eat or drink anything, or we're going to eat nothing and drink water. And they put on sackcloth, which was an indication of mourning, a way of showing that I'm in mourning. I'm, I'm upset. I'm sad. I'm, I'm broken. From the greatest of them to the least of them. I want, to, I want us to look at the characteristics of their repentance. First of all, they believed God. The Ninevites believed what God said through Jonah. Right? Part of, of repenting, part of turning away, is hearing what God says, looking at your life, recognizing that what God says and what you're doing are, are in opposition, and saying, no, I'm not going to believe that I'm right, I'm going to believe that God is right. It's, it's reading the Bible and, and reading through, you know, places where it's like, this is a sin, this is a sin, don't do this, don't do this. And you don't just read it and you're like, well, that was interesting, okay. And you go on and eat your Wheaties and go on with your day. But you read it and you're like, oh, no. And you believe that it's true. You know, um, I, I, I grew up as a, I did some Boy Scouting and I was around pocket knives and uh, I have pocket knives, not on me, well, Anyways, um, and, and my kids have them, and, but we have really strict rules around the use of a knife, whether you're cooking or you're, you're whittling, which if you don't, it's picking up a stick and cutting it with wood, because that's fun. Um, some of you are like, really? Anyways, uh, there are rules around this, though, and the rules are that you have to respect and believe that this knife is dangerous. You have to believe that this knife is a tool, it's not a toy. You have to believe that, that it is for a specific purpose. And if you don't believe those things, bad things will happen. But if you do believe those things, you can accomplish a lot. You can make a delicious dinner because you've diced things up. You can, you can shave off some pieces of wood and make a nice little like uh, gift for your mom. You can cut open Amazon boxes. Yeah, okay, now I see, everyone, that's whittling. Just, we'll say that that's what, it's like, I love whittling. <laughs> but you have to believe it first, right? This Bible is powerful. God's word is powerful, and it has a lot to say, God has a lot to say about your life, not just, 
do this, don't do that, but, but this is who you are, this is who I am, this is what your purpose is, this is what your destiny is, this is where you're going, this is where you shouldn't go, but if you don't believe it, then it's dangerous. But if you believe it, amazing things can happen. They believed God. A natural process of their believing was that they humbled themselves. When we come in contact with God's word and it comes up against our broken, sinful character, humility needs to happen. Humility needs to happen. It's, the word of God is a bit like a speed bump and you have one of two options. You can humble yourself and slow down or you can speed up and bottom out. You can either bow the knee or believe that you don't need to, and then one day the knee will be broken. Jonah's knees were in a sense broken, but it's interesting that the Ninevites said, you know what? I, I see the speed bump, and I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow down. So they believed God, they humbled themselves. And they did it from the greatest to the least. There was no one in, in the group that was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger and better than God. I don't need to worry. You guys worry about it. I'm not worried about it. No, it says from the greatest to the least, they repented. Then the word goes to the king. It says the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his th uh, throne and removed his robe and covered himself with sackcloth. And he issued a proclamation. And he says, no one's going to eat nothing. Right? But we're going to... Grieve, we're going to show our, 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 our repentance, our sadness, our mourning over our bad behavior. He identifies the bad behavior. Let everyone turn, in verse 8, from their evil ways and from the violence that's in their hands. And then he says, who knows, may, God may relent. The king believed the word of God just like the people. He humbled himself and he called for the people to humble themselves by fasting and by calling out to God. Sometimes prayer is the holiest thing that you can do. And it's interesting. The, the writer of Jonah is trying to make a point here. That G, Jonah doesn't really do a whole lot of praying. And when he does, it's, it's mostly grumpy praying and complaining to God. But the sailors, I don't know if you remember in chapter 1, when, when, when everything's going poorly and there's a huge storm, what do they immediately start doing but calling out to their gods? Now, it's not good that they were calling out to, to idols, but it's good that they recognized that they needed to call out to someone. And then when they found out that Yahweh was the, the one who was responsible, they called out to Yahweh and they listened. You don't have to call out to other gods. You know who God is. And if you're not in this room, I would invite you to call out to Jesus and see if he doesn't answer you. They prayed. They called out. And he called for the people to turn from their evil. The final step of repentance is actually turning, actually changing, actually doing something. The Bible calls, about, calls that the, the fruit of repentance. If repentance is a tree that's growing up in your life, the fruit is different actions, right? The fruit is a different tree. You're not, you're not producing apples anymore. You're producing oranges. That means that you're not just, man, I'm really sad that, you know, my spouse got upset with me and because I lied to them. But it's, oh, I lied. I hurt my spouse. I hurt God. And I need to repent. I need to stop lying. You know, it's, it's not just, oh, man, 
My, gosh, my, my, my boss got really upset because I spent more in my expense account than was, than was in my expense account. And the next month, you're like, whoops, I did it again. <laughs> that was, he's going to be so upset. No, it's, it's looking and saying, oh, okay, I need to stop doing that. And, and some of you, you know exactly what that thing is. Where you've been, uh, you've been upset about things around it, but you haven't been upset about the fact that the sin itself offends God. That it hurts people. Real repentance is, is you're walking in this direction and you stop and you don't just start crying and keep walking. You, you say, this is upsetting, and you turn around. They repented. And notice that he doesn't presume that their behavior would demand God's mercy. He doesn't just assume that because they did something, God would have to be merciful. Right? This is a healthy view of God's mercy. Who knows? God may relent, may turn and relent, uh, and turn from his fierce anger. Again, the posture of humility doesn't demand that God do something in response to your behavior. The posture of humility doesn't, de- this is why, I've, and I've done this before, but you, you, you let's say you, you had an argument with a, a family member or, or again, a spouse or single people, your, your girlfriend or boyfriend, and you say, I'm sorry. In that moment, you have two options. You can wait and recognize that the thing that you did was hurtful and bad, or you can say, you know what, the Bible says that you should forgive and demand something. I'm sure that no one in this room has done this, but if you hear about someone, you know kind of what to encourage them not to do. Um, They didn't just presume on the mercy of God. And so we go from Jonah's recommissioning and proclamation to this radical sense of repentance And we see what God does. What does God do in verse 10? When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. How gracious is this God? How good is this God? You know, I think it can be very easy for us to underestimate our own sinfulness and overestimate God's um, obligation to provide grace. And, and that, that, go, that, I go, that goes for me as well, and that speaks to our, our pride. Because we look at God, and we, and we look at our sin, and we say, you know what, my sin's it's not that big. And, and when God says, no, it's, it's much bigger than you think it is, we think, you know, God, you're not that big. But this moment, the Assyrians were evil. They had oppressed the people of God. They worshipped idols. They, they did terrible things that if this wasn't Family Sunday, I'd lay out. But you can, you can imagine. They did bad things. They were bad people. And in one sense, anything that God did by way of judgment would have been perfectly within his prerogative. It would have been appropriate. You know, one of the reasons we have laws in our country is so that people know what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. And certain behaviors are not acceptable and they they come with certain consequences that can be painful. 
And that is intended to communicate something and prevent things from happening. And so for God to come and say, I'm going to destroy this people, for him to send Jonah as, as a person, he, he could have just done it. And that's what Jonah wanted. You don't have to send me Jesus. You don't have to send me God. Just, just do it. But it's the compassion of God that he sends Jonah and sends him twice. And he relents. I just, we are the Ninevites. Like, they were bad people, but family, the Bible says that you and I, we are bad people. Jesus says to himself, no one is good except God. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Are you calling me God? He was having a conversation with a guy trying to draw him out. But the point was made, we're not good. In Romans, it talks about how no one seeks after God. We've all, like sheep, gone astray. Please, please don't hear this and sit on the outside and say, you know what, you're right. It's good that he gave them mercy. That's good. Good job, God. Let's shake hands. We're, we're good people, you and me, God. No, I'm not a good person apart from God. We're almost done, kiddos. Jonah knew that this would be a possibility. God's mercy is so close to his nature that it, it comes up almost immediately when he talks about his name. In Exodus, God had taken the Israelites out of Egypt. He had saved them from slavery and taken them in. And they, they came to this place called Mount Sinai. It was, all the Israelites were there. And Moses, who was the leader, was like, okay, guys, I got to have a conversation with God. Give me just a moment. I'm paraphrasing. He goes up 40 days, 40 nights, something like that, and... While he's gone, they kind of look around. They're like, well, when Moses is away, the Israelites will worship idols. <laughs> Doesn't rhyme, but it's true. So they make an idol and they begin to have a party and do the things that they did in, or they saw done in Egypt. God hears about it. Moses hears about it. Moses goes down. He has the Ten Commandments. Like Moses is having a Bible study with God while the people are worshiping an idol. Like this is the ridiculousness of it. And he destroys the first tablets showing how they had destroyed God's commandments or they had disregarded God's commandments. There's a plague that falls out. I mean, bad things happen. Moses goes up and Moses has this conversation with God again. And God's like, you know what? If I keep going with you guys, I'm going to wipe you all out. I'm just going to wipe you all out. So I'm going to send an angel, you go with the angel, and, and, and it'll be good that way. Um, Moses doesn't want to do that. He, he doesn't want to go without God. And in, verse, in chapter 33, it says, Moses said to the Lord, see, you are saying, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And so, so God says, you know what? I, I will go with you. I will go with you. And so Moses pushes it a little bit more and he says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from this place for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and, I'm your, and I and your people have found favor. And the Lord said, this is the very thing I'll do. I'll go with you, um, for you found favor. And then Moses said this, please, show me your glory. Because I think in this moment, he was, he was upset. 
And he was, he was like, I need, God, you got to throw me a bone, God. This is a hard job. These guys are, they're not easy to work with. Throw me a bone. Show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to him. I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So he says, I'll do this. Um, and then verse, verse 6 of the following, or I'll start in verse 5 of the following chapter. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. When, when Moses wanted reassurance that God was with him, God said, I am merciful. I am merciful. Jonah knew that God was merciful. And the Ninevites soon found it out. Now today we see that God's mercy is not limited to the Israelites. He was extending his mercy to the Ninevites. Later on, God would send his son, Jesus Christ, who would receive God's wrath so that we could receive mercy. Today is a day of second chances. It's a good day to repent. Anything you might get from God today by way of discipline is better than what you'll get from God if you don't repent. I'm just being pragmatic when I say that. It's pay now or pay later, and I promise you that the interest is not something that you want to accrue. Today is a good day to hear the word of God, and today is a good day to humble yourself. Today is a good day to pray that God would be merciful and then to trust Jesus who died so that sinners like you and me could have mercy. Amen? I'm going to pray, and then the kids are going to go, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your mercy. God, I pray that you would minister mercy to the people in this room and repentance. Again, today, if, if this is you and you want to repent, I, I encourage you, don't run out of the service after service. Take a moment in your seat. Take a moment. Pray with someone. But, but repent. Turn. Amen. God, we thank you. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kiddos, come on up. Come on. Have a seat right here. Right here. Awesome. I like your boots. Those are cool. I like that. This guy made a church notebook. Kids, take, take note. All right, come on up. It does look... Yeah. I really hope he was, he was unconscious, I'm being honest. Because, can I say three days of just trying to figure out what to do in that mess would have been... Hey, Ellie. Hi, buddy. Guys, thank you guys for coming up here. Hi, sweetheart. You guys, look at me. You belong here, okay? You have a place here at church, and you belong here. You remember that, okay? So how many of you guys were listening to what I was telling the adults and you? Okay, sort of. I appreciate your honesty. Okay, who can tell me one of the R's I said? Yes, James. God relents. 
follow-up question, James, can you tell me or describe what relent means? God forgives them. Hey, high five from afar. Ready? Boom. All right. God relents. That means that he, he, he forgives them. You, yes, you have a church notebook. Do you remember any of the R's that I said? That's okay. Yes, Elisha. Hey, recommissioning and proclamation. Okay, you get extra points. Well done. So, yes, ma'am. Did you have one? Repent. Okay, good job. So those were my three points. So in this story, Jonah, who is someone who hears from God and tells people what he hears, he hears that God wants to talk to some people who are really mean. Have you guys ever met anyone who's really mean? You don't name any names. Did you know that when people are really mean, that's not nice and it's not good, but what does God tell us to do for our enemies? Take a deep breath. Take, take a deep breath. That's a good strategy. Yes. Love our enemies. And, and it says pray for people who treat us badly. And so God was showing in the Old Testament, like he often does, a picture of what that might look like. So Jonah, he goes to the, where does he go? It starts with an N. Nineveh. He goes to the camp. Yes, he goes to the to the camp. Oh, okay. He goes to Nineveh and he walks around and he starts telling them, God is going to destroy this place. He's going to punish you guys. And what do the people do? They repent. They repent. Okay. Now, I need... All right. Aaron, you want to help me? Okay, come here. All right. So, Aaron, you, you want to help too? Okay. Okay. You can all help. And here's how you guys... Yo, you stay right there. You guys are right here. Okay. Um, I'm trying to... I'm regrouping. Give me a second. Okay. You guys are going to be Ninevites. Can you say, I'm a Ninevite? I'm a Ninevite. Okay, good. All right. And I'll, here's what we're going to do as Ninevites. You're going to be walking this way, and I'm going to be over there, and I'm going to tell you to stop and turn around. And what are you going to do? Turn around. You're going to stop and turn around. Okay, ready? Guys, pay attention, because this is what's happened. So these are the Ninevites that are walking, and I'm Jonah. And I said, guys, stop. Turn around. Yeah. Okay. And then... I want everyone on the count of three, I'm going to say, stop, turn around, and then I want you to say, we're going to turn around, and then you turn around in your place. Ready? One, well, I'm going to say it, and then you guys say it, okay? You're going to say, we're going to turn around, and then you're going to kind of do that. Okay. You guys need to turn around. Good. Now, repentance is not a 360. It's a 180, but that's okay. Sit down. You guys go sit down. Ready? Woo! Sometimes repentance is a 360, and eventually it gets to a 180. Um, so what I was trying to show you right here is repentance is a change of direction. Everyone say repentance is a change of direction. Okay. So when God talks to us through your parents primarily and through your word and they say, Hey buddy, Hey sweetheart, you can't do that. Hey buddy. Hey sweetheart. You need to do that. We need to be like the Ninevites and stop 
and turn around and do the thing that we need to do, okay? So today, I'm sure you're going to get a chance, <laughs> and your parents are going to say, you can't do that. You can't and, do it. Yeah, that's right. You can't do it. You have two options. You can choose to obey and turn around and stop doing that thing and do something else, or disobey, okay? And I want you to remember that God gives us what? Second chances. Everyone say, God gives us second chances. And when God gives you a second chance, when God gives you a second chance, okay, take it. That's right. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for these wonderful, amazing kids. What a blessing they are and what, what a legacy they represent. Pour out your love on them. And I pray that even now they would remember that when we get second chances, we need to take them. Amen. Can you guys say, say amen? amen.